shooting out sparks over 38 states, the Canadian plains, and the tequila fields of Mexico. A program most deserving of a grand introduction. The Nocturnal Journal. The talk of the town. WGN Radio 720. With your guide, Dave Hoekstra. Daytime turns me off and I don't need maybe. Nine to five Welcome to Nocturnal Journal, and what a show we have for you tonight. In the, from 10 to 11, we've got uh, John Langford and Sally Timms uh, from the Mekons going to play some music and talk about their latest record. Uh, 9.30 to 10, we're going to have our friends from Fitzgerald's in Berwyn, Bill and Kate and Donnie Biggins. are going to handicap uh, this year's American Music Festival over the 4th of July weekend. And in the studio, our leadoff men, we have uh, our good friend Stan Klein, the, what do we say? The director? Yes, director works. Of uh, Firecat Projects, 2124 North Damon Avenue. And you brought in movie producer and now artist Bill Horberg. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having Thanks. me. Oh, on you the got show. a great radio voice. That's ah. good. That's good. <laughs> so, boy, there's so much to talk about in, in, this, in this half hour. But uh, talk about your roots in Chicago, Bill. I'm, I'm going to start with the. The Sandberg Theater and your family. Uh, I know Marguerite, your sister. Talk about what it was like growing up. There must have been a lot of creative stuff going around. Yeah, yeah. My sister really led the way. You know, she's founded the the Hot House here and ran that organization for 25 years. And uh, you know, I got into playing music uh, as a teenager in high school here. What high school uh, was had that? a band? I went to the Latin school. Okay. Uh, and I actually went on to study music at the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Uh, What'd you I, play? What? I play the flute and the piano. Oh, really? really? Uh, a little Herbie Mann type stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Dolphy was my god, yeah. and Herbie Mann, and uh-huh. uh, you know, I used to go to the jazz showcase uh, growing up here, and Joe Siegel and all the great people that he brought in. Uh, but I uh, left school uh, in the late seventies, uh, moved back home to Chicago. Uh, and because I'd been living in Boston where there was such a rich scene of uh, different theater venues that were showing classic movies and foreign films, and I was living with a guy who was running the film society at Tufts, and there wasn't anything quite like that at that time here. Uh, and I had this idea to open a movie theater. Uh, the Sandberg Theater had uh, been shuttered. Uh, it had been the Playboy Theater. It actually you talk about that. I was you brought. We're going to talk about the comedy work, and you brought back memories. I was at the Sandberg. I don't. I don't think I was there when it was the Playboy. But what was Playboy trying to do with that that house? You know, they went into film production yeah. in the seventies. They made a couple of movies, uh, Polanski's Macbeth, and you know they had a successful brand with the clubs, and they decided to try to extend that brand into motion picture exhibition. Uh, the theater still had the bunny logo carpeting <laughs> on the floor when we took it over. Uh, but we were, uh, you know, a horse of a different color. We were young film uh, uh, enthusiasts, and we were showing Hitchcock and Truffaut and uh, Werner Herzog, and uh, Arthur Penn came and, you know, did uh, live programs at the theater. So uh, that was kind of my uh, road into Hollywood, really. I didn't go to film school. I didn't study film, but I... I just jumped into ex- exhibition at a young age, uh, and when the theater closed, uh, I ultimately set sail and, and moved out to Los Angeles in the mid-'80s. 
Uh, before we leave the theater, it was in the Gold Coast. Do you remember the address? It was Clark Street. It was twelve ten Dearborn. Dearborn. Okay. Dearborn. Yeah, yeah, I think it's still a Walgreens. Yeah, it's still a Walgreens. And just a little bit of ironic history, Dave. Uh, you know, we had uh, probably for a couple of years shown some of the great Cary Grant movies, uh, Charade, Only Angels Have Wings, and I remember when it was torn down and rebuilt. Cary Grant himself was a friend of Betty Walgreen, and he came and dedicated the opening of that Walgreens on the ashes of uh, our re revival movie theater. Well, that's great. But, you well, know, Bill did really specialty things. He did like a 24-hour jazz festival, movies, and live act, because it had a small stage, uh -huh. and we would, he would do all sorts of long programs. Like what was that neighborhood like? When well, did it close? At that time, it was like looking for Mr. Goodbye yeah, right. land, right? It was yeah. Mothers and Rush Street, and it was like a raging disco scene. And then, you know, you could walk across the street and watch the Philadelphia story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. The theater was taken over after we left, uh, but it only lasted about another year. Uh, I think it was probably 80 three or four where it was torn down and, and redeveloped so you go out west you go to hollywood go west young man yeah and what happens there yeah i got off the plane i, I thought i had a job somebody had promised me a job and like a lot of things in hollywood it was more facade than real uh and i ended up going to work as a freelance script reader so that was kind of my undergrad i, I had to read a thousand scripts i got paid 35 bucks a script i had to do my book report synopsize the story and write some analysis on it and i worked for a number of companies at that time like the rkos and the De Laurentiis and interscope and i couldn't get a job at a big studio because that was all union work mm -hmm. uh, but this was freelance work and it really got me a chance to kind of know who's who in the zoo get my head around you know what people are reading and what they're looking for and what's getting made uh and from there i i really stumbled into a lucky chance and i got a job as a junior executive at paramount pictures uh, this was in 1987 uh, it was the era of eddie murphy of john hughes of simpson bruckheimer uh, the first time I ever actually sat in a theater and watched what they have these audience test screenings was the very first screening of Fatal Attraction, oh, really? <laughs> which famously had a kind of beautifully made but narratively flawed ending that the audience just totally rejected. So I had a front row seat at like high, uh, high stakes studio filmmaking drama. Uh, you know, I was at the studio for about five years, Dave. I got to work with Francis Ford Coppola, with Mike Nichols, with the Zucker Brothers, uh, Hunt for Red October, Ghost. Yeah. Uh, that was really a tremendous uh, grad school for me. Okay, we're going to take a break. Then we're going to segue into what you're doing now. Yeah. I've got so many questions. So uh, don't go away. Hey, Daddy, what that day? And why that under there? And oh, daddy, oh, hey, daddy, hey, look it over there. Hey, what they doing there? And where they going there? And daddy, can I have that big elephant over there? Hey, who that in my chair? And what she doing there? And oh, daddy, oh, hey, daddy, can I go over there? Oscar Brown Jr. Wow. 
We love Oscar Brown Jr. He was. Did you know? Uh, did you ever meet him? I never got to meet yeah, him. Man, yeah. I wish I did. The voice that of uh, just... voice of Bronzeville, you know. Yeah. So I don't want to get in the way. So you, I'm going to fast forward to get why we're doing this. So you, uh, you have a heart attack. <laughs> Jump right in. Jump there, right dude. in. There. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what yeah. happened? I Real produced quick. films for about thirty years. Yeah. It's a bit of a stressful job, as yeah. you can imagine. I I always wanted an outlet, and I played music and continued to play my music, uh, kind of in the park on the weekends. Uh, and about four years ago, I was over in Spain. I was producing uh, uh, probably one of the largest projects I've ever undertaken. It was called The Promise. It was this big epic film about the Armenian genocide. Christian Bale, Oscar Isaac. And yeah, yeah, there was a knock on the door. <laughs> it was the, uh, you know, ambulance, and uh, I did. I, I ended up in the hospital in Madrid for about a month. Uh, had a lot of time on my hand. I had a moleskin notebook and a pencil, and I just started sketching. And I was like, who do I want to bring into this room with me at this point in time? And it was just all these uh, musicians that I'd grown up uh, studying and listening to and loving and. Uh, I started doing sketches of them and uh, filled up a notebook and got another one and filled that one up and came home and uh, I just kind of took over and became a bit of an obsession with me. Art and, Pepper, uh, um, you got the Velvet Lounge. Is that that's Fred? Fred yeah, Anderson, Fred Anderson, a great old poster. Friend. I got yeah. to spend a lot of time at his place on. Uh, Indiana, South Indiana, when I was here. I believe Oscar's in here. That's why we Oscar's played. on yeah. the cover. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there, there he is. He yeah, is. yeah. He's <laughs> on the cover of the catalog. Yeah, uh-huh. um, yeah Eric Dolphy and uh, Roland Kirk and Alice Coltrane. Uh, that's, oh, that's Alice nice. Alice Coltrane yeah. and uh, Ornette Coleman and all these people I got to, many of whom I got to see uh, live yeah. and hear play. And um, so. Uh, my old friend Stan Klein invited me to uh, bring this collection of drawings to the Firecat Projects, and it was a, a chance for a homecoming for me, and uh, it was a great night last night. We had a packed house at the opening, and uh, you know, you're in the room, and I like to ask people to just listen to the drawings, because uh-huh. you, know, you can watch them, and you can really, I hope, kind of hear the vibrations coming off the, the wall. I want to talk about tomorrow in a minute, but Firecat Projects is at 2124 North Damon Avenue. The show is up through August 25th, 2019. Stan, talk about, and it's in the, in the, in the, in the catalog, but talk about uh, his work. Describe his work from your point of view. He brings that sensibility of somebody that plays jazz to yeah. the work. There's a certain taste level of what to include and what not to include. It doesn't do too much, and it really brings the simplicity and the emotion of that person who's the subject to fair. Now, what will happen tomorrow? You're going to be doing a reading from 2 to 4 o'clock. Tell the listeners uh, what happens tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow afternoon I'll be over at the gallery. Uh, I have written a book along with my films and my artwork. Uh, It's a book of stories, uh, mostly of uh, different uh, films and you know, the characters I've met along the way producing all these films in Hollywood. Uh, and I'm going to give a reading uh, of a couple of stories from the book. The book is called My Life in Space, Stories of a Hollywood Outlier. <laughs> and uh, so you'll be reading from that. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick a couple of stories to read and, you know, in the gallery, surrounded by the artwork. And uh, so hopefully it'll be a kind of trifecta of the things that I'm super passionate about, you know, which is film and art and music. Um, what is, are there similar similarities between, I don't, I don't want to call it visual jazz, but what are the similarities between music and jazz? I mean, movies and jazz. Well, I study music uh, in Woodstock now. I, I moved from Hollywood about four years ago, and the mantra for me is to kind of play from listening. Uh-huh. Uh, and I kind of try to bring that approach to the movies I make. You know, what is this really about, and what is the thing telling me, and what's the story that needs to be told, and how do we shape it? And I try to bring that same sensibility to a improvised solo, and it was certainly my approach, uh, you know, creating this artwork. I, I would do a deep dive uh, listening to the catalog of a certain artist and do a lot of research on their life. Did you listen to them while you were Yeah, while I was them? drawing yeah. them, I would kind of put the headphones on and uh, have a playlist and, and listen through and just try to, in my own way, uh, take whatever I uh, was feeling from that and express those feelings uh, through the end of a pen. Stan. Yeah, it's in some ways it's that being in the moment of listening and playing, and also for an artist, a visual artist, it's seeing and observing, and then processing that out. And he has that talent. Did you see Shortcuts? The Robert Altman yeah. movie? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I wrote about that when it when it came out, and that was a movie that really had a jazz jazz feel to it. And I brought some of these notes in that. Um, you know, based on the Raymond Carver short stories, but Altman wrote, I think it was in the soundtrack, in the notes of the soundtrack, it was, uh, he's talking about maybe they just have to go on knowing things that they don't really want to know about one another. They're more about what you know rather than what you don't know. He's talking about the characters, and the reader fills in the gaps while recognizing the undercurrents. It's kind of like a jazz thing. Yeah, well, Altman was the master yeah. of kind of improvisation on film, you know, and he came out of Kansas City, right? Uh -huh, right. So he yeah. had a real jazz uh, background i think he even made a movie in the 50s yeah, yeah. that was uh, a jazz, a jazz themed movie. Yeah. movie yeah i got to meet him once you know I, I worked for about 12 years for sydney pollock yeah uh and through sydney i got to meet some of his uh, filmmaking peers and uh, we hung out uh for a night in Cannes with uh, robert altman and that was a real treat and when you think of what Bill does, and he produced the uh, talented Mr. Ripley, and it yeah, has right. that jazz element very live in that plot line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Anthony Minghella, I was lucky to make two films with him, uh, Cold Mountain and Ripley, and in some ways they were musical films. They weren't musicals, but he was a guy who started with music when he wrote. He didn't apply music at the end as somebody scoring a film that's been edited. He had the composer in with him when he was writing oh, the script. Oh, that's interesting. And so his whole approach to filmmaking had the music really baked into it. And I think that's why we were so simpatico as producer and director collaborating with each other. You talked to other Hollywood people about jazz? Clint Eastwood? I never got to meet Clint. <laughs> I'd love to. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, there's a there's a bit of an overlap, but not that much. What will people see when they come to the guy? How many pieces are up? Uh, describe describe what what people see when they come visit you. There are several small sort of portraits about 
uh, say six by eight, really beautifully intricate, delicate portraits. And then he's also done large venue mm-hmm. images of like Mr. Kelly's and London, London House. House. Yeah, you know, and they're just it's his level of what he includes and the color. It just evokes. I wanted feeling. to do something real Chicago, right? Yeah. So the new work in the show are these six pieces that I did kind of out of my love of growing up in Chicago. And the, the yeah, London this was the London house and this was uh, Mr. Kelly's and uh, the Velvet Lounges in there. Uh, so I mean, look were, at the rush up and the happy medium. I mean, very, yeah. col- very colorful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the jazz showcase yeah. was downstairs there from the happy medium for several years. You know, that was one of their... Venues here. Some people, I don't know. Some people might say jazz is a noir, black and white. Why'd you go with so many colors? And, uh... Well, those are color portraits, but there are some black and white in the show. Yeah, yeah, there's three groups of black and white portraits as well. So I, re- which I really enjoy, just kind of getting it down to the line and the simplicity of the line, and that's all you have. You don't have yeah. a color palette to to add to that. So uh, what you'll see is a. Uh, a lot of individual portraits of jazz musicians that are grouped together in large groupings. So I have one called 50 Musicians. It's quite a large piece where there are 50 portraits of jazz musicians kind of framed together in one piece as a big family that you just kind of want to hang out with and and imagine the conversations that are going on between them mm-hmm. musically and also uh, without their instruments. Are you still involved? A couple more minute, uh, minutes, we got. Uh, are you still involved in the industry? Very much so, mm-hmm. yeah. This has turned into one of my busiest years. I, I was trying to just make art and play music, but uh, I am uh, just got back from Winnipeg, Dave. We're shooting a film there right now yeah. called Flag Day. Uh, it's a project I've been laboring to get on the screen for more than a decade, and Sean Penn, Sean Penn is directing. He's starring in it with his daughter, Dylan Penn, who's an amazing actress and is going to be a revelation for the audience. And it's a father-daughter story, a true story. So to have a real father and daughter playing these father-daughter characters, there's just a frisson that you know that comes with that that is really exciting. Um, last thing, and then um, so the reason I asked that question is once you started sketching and once you got involved in this and the artwork, did your view toward other things, the industry and stuff, did that change at all? Did this change your, your the lens in which you look at things? Well, I think it just brought more balance and harmony to my life overall. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, I was so in the tunnel of filmmaking for about thirty years, and uh, I, I'm happily still. Uh, kind of plying that craft, but I have these other areas in which to have an outlet and express myself creatively. And, you know, uh, drawing is a very individual, personal, alone act. Making a movie involves hundreds, if not thousands of people that you're orchestrating through a, a process that can take 18 months or two years. So I like the polarity of my life right now and having these other places to go. Fascinating. Wow, that was great. Thanks, great Dave. great interview. Thanks, Thanks Stan. Me. Thank Thanks. You, it's Portraits in Jazz by William Horberg, and it runs through August 25th at Firecat Projects, 2124 North Damon Avenue, and there's an artist uh, reading tomorrow between 2 and 4. Hope to see you there. Okay, thank you. Thanks Thank. a lot. And we'll be back after more Nocturnal Journal.